Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on Pearl Harbor Day 2018. Six o'clock. Time for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. I'm Melissa Fox. Top story we're following this hour drill that causes panic at a local high school. We'll have details coming up in one minute. And a final farewell to President George H.W. Bush. Next on Good Morning Orlando. 602 on News Radio 93.1. A Seminole County school is pleased with a recent active shooter drill. Some parents, however, are not. And one radio host is not. We'll be talking <laughs> about this later on, but set the table for us on this outrageous story. The drill was held yesterday morning at Lake Brantley High School in Altamont Springs. However, none of the students involved were told it was a drill. And some parents reported getting texts from panicked children. An hour later, after the drill was over, the school announced on Facebook it was just a drill. But angry parents complained because they did not get a notification. A school official told the Orlando Sentinel it wanted to make sure the drill was as realistic as possible. No need to go that far and terrorize those kids and those parents. That policy has to change We'll talk about it and take calls later in this hour, Melissa. The news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Today marks the 77th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. On December 7th, 1941, the Pearl Harbor Navy base was devastated by a surprise blitz of Japanese warplanes. And when it was over, more than 2,300 Americans were dead. Another 1,100 were wounded and five battleships, including the USS Arizona, were sunk or severely damaged. More than 180 aircraft were also destroyed. The attack dealt a crippling blow to the U.S. Pacific Fleet and drew the United States into World War II. And a young Navy pilot by the name of George Bush as well. It all kind of ties together, doesn't it? By the way, in the 7 o'clock hour, something seldom heard. The entire speech before Congress by then-President Franklin Delano Roosevelt calling for a declaration of war against Japan, which he got. We'll play it all at 720. You know, Bud, that was the deadliest attack on America until September 11, 2001. It was. The Centers for Disease Control say nine more people have been sickened in the E. coli breakout in romaine lettuce. The total number of people affected by the outbreak stands at 52. Sickening people in 15 states, including uh, New Jersey and California, they've been the hardest hit, 11 cases each. The CDC has uh, traced the outbreak to a Central Coast growing region of northern and central California, However, the investigation has not traced the cases back to a single grower or distributor. So can we eat romaine again or not? I, I kind of thought we had the all clear. I'm having Caesar salad withdrawal here. <laughs> but I don't want to get E. coli, that's for sure. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, they say just be very aware. If it's coming out of California, they should have it off the shelves anyway. Mm-hmm. But yes, I say bacon. <laughs> bacon? Okay. <laughs> it's a great substitute for salad. If you're still using rabbit ears to pick up your favorite TV shows, as I do, keep an eye peeled for changes that are coming. That's the advice of Jean Skidoo. It's Skidoo. She chairs the FCC Incentive Task Force. Viewers in Florida and nationwide are going to, who use over-the-air antennas, uh, are going to need to uh, listen for notices from their local stations. I They'll be airing public service announcements and screen crawls and other um, website information. 
That information will advise people to rescan their TV sets in order to pick up the over-the-air signals. You do not use rabbit ears. Is it 1949 in your house? Well, no, I, I have a smart TV, but I also, you know, you don't get uh, the local channels all the time on your slings and other apps. So, y- yes, I do. Yaffe, Melissa uses rabbit ears. What's the deal with that? Believe it or not, so do I. Ah, really? 1949 so, uh, in your house, too. So actually, believe it or not, a lot of millennials use rabbit ears because we get Hulu and Netflix online, and then we use the rabbit ears See? for the local channels. That's just no. what I just said. Do you get a decent picture with that? Oh, I yeah. remember when I was a kid monkeying around with rabbit ears, you could never get it right. No, well, it, it, nowadays, because it's digital, you uh, can get a very good picture. Yeah. Oh, really? You need a decent antenna, though. My antenna is not as good. But you can buy an amplified antenna for pretty cheap and get the local channels yeah. really good. Uh, 10 15 uh, bucks at uh, your local See uh, that? Now, th- there you go. The high techies here are educating the bud man again. <laughs> I think I need to back off on the rabbit yeah, ear critique. Because yeah. cause a lot of people are <laughs> cutting the cord with cable, yeah. and got they're it. getting the rabbit ears. Okay. Made a comeback. All yeah, right. Yeah. Got it. But the reason they're doing these changes, the FCC is using some of the TV frequencies to make room for the higher capacity 5G network that's coming. It only impacts the -the over-the-air television, cable, and internet viewers. You won't see any difference. WFLA news time is 6.07. Check out the story about the woman whose mugshot is making the rounds. That's at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Use your smart speaker. Say, Alexa, play News Radio 93.1. Use rabbit ears to get uh, 93.1 and uh, AM 540, guys, or, or not? You get it like everybody else. I, I don't know if you had your own thing going. Radio, radio, radio rabbit ears. Yes, the iHeartRadio app. I use it on my smart TV. <laughs> okay, good deal. All right. <laughs> and uh, the one member of the team you haven't met who just came on and will be taking your phone calls all morning is Stephanie, 407-916-5400, our number Toll free, 866-916-5400. Text line 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. It's the Pearl Harbor edition to Good Morning Orlando from the from the Frontgate Realty Studio. We join you from your cell. Just hit pound 250. Say keyword real estate. Busy morning here. We begin uh, with the final day of tributes to um, President George H.W. Bush, all down in Texas, the funeral service at the church where he and the Bush family have worshipped for generations, the train ride out to Texas A&M, site of the Bush Presidential Library, and the burial site for the 41st president. Some really memorable moments and some very memorable comments by the man who was a 60-plus-year close friend of the president, his Secretary of State and tennis buddy, James Baker. We'll have that. We're also going to hear from the Oak Ridge Boys. We're going to hear the national anthem from the funeral and uh, and a whole lot more as well. And the Navy hymn, of course. Stay tuned here. Very special edition of the program here as we observe the 77th anniversary of the Pearl Harbor attack that brought us in to World War II. Right now, an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic is next, and that's coming your way here in two minutes on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. Rudolph the red nose reindeer had a very shiny nose. 
We'll have a Christmas music edition of our Sound Judgment Game coming up later in the program. Our final two tickets, perhaps at least for this week, to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra um, big show and concert in downtown Orlando at the Amway Center coming up in the middle of this month. So there is a heads up there. That will be coming down the pike in our 8 o'clock hour. Now, though, the focus on our 41st president and what a week it has been. And um, I, I, I feel like I got to know this man and what he was all about politically and personally better than I ever had before. You know, and there's a unifying force at work here because all partisan politics, for the most part at any rate, except for the extreme left and some of the anti-Trump um, uh, media outlets that cannot help themselves, uh, all politics and partisanship was put aside for several days and I honest to goodness think the nation needed that. Uh, but at any rate, yesterday at the Episcopal Church in Houston, where the Bush family had worshipped for so, so many years and continues to do so, um, it was a stirring funeral service, and we'll have various aspects of it to share with you all morning long, including some, some absolutely uh, marvelous music. Um, but James Baker, the Secretary of State, when Bush 41 was president and and a lifelong friend of Bush 41, gave the memorable eulogy yesterday, I thought. Let us share some brief opening remarks from James Baker. My friends, we're here today in the house of the Lord to say goodbye to a man of great faith and great integrity, a truly beautiful human being, and to honor his noble character his life of service, and the sweet memories he leaves for his friends, his family, and for our grateful nation. For more than 60 years, George Herbert Walker Bush has been my friend, and he's been my role model. More from Baker now on his admiration for Bush and some humor injected when he described how disagreements between the two in the White House got resolved when Bush was president and Baker was Secretary of State. Listen to this. I've always been proud that George Bush used to describe our relationship as one of big brother and little brother. He used to say that one of the things he liked best about me was that I would always tell him what I thought, even when I knew he didn't want to hear it. Then we would have a spirited discussion about that issue. But he had a very effective way of letting me know when the discussion was over. (laughs) He would look at me and he'd say, Baker, if you're so smart, why am I president and you're not? (laughs) He He was a leader and he knew it. My hope is that in remembering the life of George Herbert Walker Bush and in honoring his accomplishments, we will see that we are really praising what is best about our nation, the nation he dearly loved and whose values he embodied. And you remember at the National Cathedral in Washington when um, George W. Bush, the former president, eulogized his dad, you know, and held it together to the end and then broke down in tears in an unforgettable moment. very similar thing happened with his longtime friend and his Secretary of State, James Baker. Here are his emotional closing remarks in the eulogy yesterday at the church in Houston that began with Baker recalling a letter he got from Bush 41 
just some years ago. We have known each other a long time, he wrote to me. We have shared joy and sadness, and time has indeed gone swiftly by. Now it races on even faster, and that makes me treasure even more this line of William Butler Yeats about where man's glory begins and ends, namely with friends. My glory is I have you as such a friend. To which I reply on behalf of his friends here today, across America and throughout the world, we rejoice, Mr. President, that you are safely tucked in now and through the ages with God's loving arms around you. Because our glory, George, was to have had you as our president and as such a friend. James Baker, that was the real deal, was it not? Um, If you've got some final thoughts on uh, all the tributes to President George Herbert Walker Bush, um, the World War II hero, laid to rest yesterday, we're talking about it this morning, on the 77th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor that drew America and the young George Bush into World War II. Some thoughts on what you saw yesterday. There were just a few memorable scenes that I want to share with you in a moment. But I really, we've done so much and we've played so much sound with all of the tributes to the 41st president all week long. I haven't given you as many opportunities to talk and that's what the 50,000 watt front porch is all about. If you have thoughts on all the way this went down this week, as America said farewell to its 41st president and uh, and everything that went down yesterday on the Texas end of all of this, 407-916-5400 or text me at 23680. Um, some further thoughts here from the Bud Man on this, if you'll allow. Coming right up. You know, um, President uh, Bush 41 planned his uh, funeral and the part of it was apparently his suggestion that um, his body be taken from the um, funeral service in Houston by train to College Station, home of the Bush Presidential Library on the campus of Texas A&M University. And so it was. They had a Union Pacific train, and the whole Bush family rode along with them, and the casket was in one particular um, car where they had carved out the side panels and put plexiglass, and there was a soldier guarding the casket inside, but everybody could see the casket as the train moved by. And uh, they would slow down every time they went through crowds of people. And they were lining the tracks everywhere it was possible to do so, and uh, on bridges overhead, and it was just remarkable. It was deeply moving. And the engine had been redone to look like a locomotive version of the Air Force One uh, jumbo jet. And then when they got to uh, Texas A&M prior to the burial... There was the largest military flyover, apparently, ever, anywhere. 21 planes, like a 21-plane, 21-gun salute. He was a Navy pilot, after all. Shot down, nearly lost his life in the Pacific in World War II. And the missing man formation, Yaffe, I will remember as long as I live. Because as, uh, as fate or luck would have it, it was a very cloudy day with some light rain falling in the area. So there was a low ceiling. And uh, the planes in, in groups of four 
flew overhead, the jets, in formation. And then they did the missing man formation where one plane of the four goes skyward. You know, just, and, and that's, that, that's the classic missing man formation. But as we're saying goodbye to the president, you know, who's inside heaven's gates reunited now with his beloved wife, Barbara, and the daughter they lost to leukemia so many years ago, Robin, and the plane just disappeared into the bank of clouds. It was really moving to see that. Yeah, by the way, if you want to see that, you can go to our website, WFLAOrlando.com, click on the Good Morning Orlando tab, and it's right there. There you are. We'll have more on this from the funeral, some of the great music that was played, patriotic and otherwise. And, um, of course, we are going to play the entire Pearl Harbor address to Congress by then-President FDR um, after the attack by the Japanese that brought us into World War II. We're doing that at 7.20 this morning. Patriots, be with us for that for sure. Melissa bringing us the news right now alongside the Bud Man here to focus at first on a very special celebration at the White House last night. That's right, Bud. President Trump honored the Jewish community with a Hanukkah reception at the White House. The parents of Parkland shooting victim Meadow Pollock were there, and they had this to say. This year, we light the menorah. We reflect upon the extraordinary resilience of the Jewish people in the face of centuries of oppression. Meadow Pollock was one of 17 students who was killed at Stoneman Douglas High School on Valentine's Day. Now, the president highlighted his support for Israel and his decision to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem in his remarks. Trump said it's a good time to remember all the gifts the Jewish people have given to the nation and the world. Meadow's parents, um, Andrew, uh, as a matter of fact, said Trump was the greatest friend to the Jewish people they've ever had in the White House. I think that's absolutely undeniably true. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Funeral services for former President George H.W. Bush are complete. Bush was interred on the grounds of his presidential library at Texas A&M yesterday. His body traveled on a special train from Houston after a funeral service at St. Martin's Episcopal Church. Thousands of people lined the tracks to say goodbye to the nation's 41st president. There was a dramatic military flyover after Bush's casket arrived at the presidential library and museum. Marines gave the former president a 21-gun salute. Just beautiful. The jobs and unemployment report for November leads off today's economic news. We'll have more of that coming up. But analysts are forecasting 190,000 new jobs last month and that the unemployment rate stayed at a half-century low of 3.7%. Florida gets a new governor next month. Environmentalists are hoping Ron DeSantis will take climate change seriously. Doug Coward with the Solar Energy Loan Fund says Florida should be leading the way on renewable energy. Even if you're not doing it for environmental reasons, there's still strong incentives from an economic standpoint for solar to be advanced in the Sunshine State. And we need to get past this misconception that clean energy costs more. It costs less. Governor Rick Scott spent the last eight years in denial over climate change, and the environmentalists say they believe DeSantis should be more responsive to their concerns. WFLA News Time is 6.37. I'm Melissa Fox, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. It's time now for the Bloomberg Business Report with our own Gina Cervetti. Live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. And Gina, we've been waiting for you because 24 hours after your ominous look at the futures that indicated stock prices would be dropping when the markets opened yesterday morning, boy, that turned out to be true, didn't it? 
It certainly did, but you just never know what's going to happen on Wall Street during the day. And we had this huge turnaround. The Dow reversed a more than 700-point loss as we saw kind of a late rally in large tech stocks. But it was a wild ride. In the end, though, the Dow and the S&P 500 were down only slightly, with the Dow lower by 79 points, or three-tenths percent, to 24,948. The S&P slid four points, or about two-tenths percent, to 2696. And the NASDAQ was up 30, or four-tenths. The Bloomberg Orlando Index was down just about four-tenths of a percent. We do have the stock futures a little bit on the negative side this morning. Still a lot of worry here about whether this trade truce between China and the U.S. has staying power. And that's the main factor in uh, the wild uh, gyrations on the stock prices, huh? Well, that's a big factor right now. We've Mm -hmm. also got a lot of attention on the Fed and speculation about whether or not there will be a pause in interest rates going forward. We do have a Fed meeting this month. Interest rates are expected to go higher at that meeting. Let's also talk about it, and and Melissa was alluding to it a moment ago, the, uh, the jobs report that comes out today. What are economists and your team at Bloomberg expecting? Well, we get this report an hour before Wall Street's opening bell at 8.30. It's expected to show, according to what economists surveyed by Bloomberg are saying, maybe 198,000 jobs, give or take. Uh, That's a very healthy number, although it would be less than October's 250,000. The unemployment rate is expected to hold steady at 3.7 percent, the lowest in almost 50 years, and wages probably advanced 3.1 percent from a year ago, matching the fastest pace in almost a decade. We're going to have those numbers, what, about 8.30 our time? 8.30, yep. Yep, got it. There's a cruise line that's being sued by a couple of passengers who got left behind in a pretty difficult situation. Mm. What can you tell us? Yeah, two former passengers of a Royal Caribbean cruise are suing the company, claiming they almost drowned on a ship-sponsored snorkeling excursion when a contractor left them behind at sea. This complaint was filed in federal court in southern Florida, and it's just the latest alleging major cruise lines should be held responsible for the conduct of excursion operators at ports of call. Eventually, this pair was able to flag down another boat that took them to shore, but they say not before they suffered extreme sunburn, dehydration, cuts and bruises. Royal Caribbean did not immediately respond to a request for comment. We'll see how that one plays out um, downstream. Before you go, um, let's shine the spotlight, shall we? The Bloomberg spotlight on an oil industry milestone that uh, hasn't gotten enough attention, I think. What can you tell us? Yes, well, right now we have oil slipping just a little bit here, just to mention the price, $51.41 a barrel. OPEC is entering another day of talks on oil production curbs. But to your point, yesterday we had, uh, well, last week, I should say, we have uh, America now becoming a net oil exporter, bud. And this is something that hasn't happened in almost 75 years of continued dependence on foreign oil. The shift to net exports recently comes amid a boom in American oil production. We've got wells pumping from the Permian region of Texas and New Mexico to the Bakken Shale in North Dakota and the Marcellus in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and Trump has really taken the shackles off um, the uh, oil industry from the standpoint of production. And I guess we're now the largest oil producer in the world, and it is a huge story. Gina Cervetti live every morning at 635 with the Bloomberg Business Report. It is Can't Miss Radio, all for you right here in Good Morning Orlando. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you next week right here, Gina.
Thank you, bud. You too. All right. Good deal. Coming up here in a moment, we've been talking about it, and I'm really hot about this, and I want to know what you moms and dads with kids in school think about this drill, this code red active shooter drill they did at Lake Brantley High School yesterday without telling anybody that it was just a drill. They felt, they say, that they needed it to be as realistic as possible so when the real thing, God forbid, should happen, that the kids will be having taken all of the drills seriously and be prepared uh, to deal with the situation. Um, they, they just terrorized the students and, by extension, the parents who were getting these text messages from kids who were locked in a closet in a panic that there was an active shooter on campus. Is this the way to deal with this situation? I don't think so. I think the policy needs to be changed, even though they're defending it at Lake Brantley High. I want to know, moms and dads, what you think. And students, if you're with me as well, is this any way to prepare kids for a nightmare scenario of an active shooter on the school campus? I think we can do better. 407-916-5400 is the line if you want to get in on that on the phones, and you can hit the toll-free at 866-916-5400. This is what our show is all about, to talk over major issues like this, locally in particular, and I'd like to know what you think. And the text line always open at 23680. We'll get to that right after we get to this. An update for you on Orlando's news, weatherman traffic here in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. School district spokesman, and this concerns me, is defending not letting the students or the parents right away know that this was just a drill for an active shooter scenario and saying that, listen, we need to do it this way because if we don't, the kids won't pay attention to drills and they won't be properly trained to do what they need to do to maximize the chance that they survive an actual attack by an active shooter at school. But listen, I remember in school, and don't you, fire drills. I remember as a really young child in elementary school, we still had air raid drills, and we'd get down underneath the desk. But it was never billed as the real thing. It was billed as a drill. And we were trained, and we were prepared, and we paid attention. I think in a post-Columbine, post-Parkland, and other massacre era that we are in at schools across this country, that kids will pay attention. I think you, you don't terrify these kids, and by extension their parents, what happened at Lake Brantley yesterday. You don't do that. I mean, my goodness, we're trying to protect these kids from being, from being shot and killed, but we're terrorizing them to do it? I don't think it's right. And I don't think it's necessary. Do the code red drills? Absolutely. At that school and every other, I favor that. I wouldn't want it any other way, but call it what it is. These kids are traumatized. And these parents are thinking, because they know what happens in the wake of these actual massacres in school. You, You get all of the text messages You know, Mom, I'm calling to tell you I love you. I'm saying goodbye to you. I can hear the gunshots in the hallway. I think they're coming here next. We can't have kids terrorized when there's nothing to be afraid of. Do you agree with me that that policy at Lake Bradley High School and anywhere else it exists needs to be changed? Or do you think 
We need to literally put the fear of God into these kids so they really know what to do if, God forbid, the real things happens. Maybe you're on the side of the school district policy. I've thought a lot about this, and I most definitely am not for the reasons I've cited. I'd like to know what you think. It's an important story. Please let me know if you think the Bud Man's on the money or off the rails. And your take, welcome at 407-916-5400. Toll free, 866-916-5400. Hit the text line at 23680 or standard message and data rate supply. We'll talk further on this, and i got to get Yaffe and Steph in on the conversation as well, but I'd really like to hear from you. And we'll get to that right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. A lot of students at Lake Brantley High School in Seminole County terrified. Their parents outraged after there was a code red alert issued indicating an active shooter on campus. But they didn't tell the kids it was a drill. Say that's the way you need to do it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think kids will pay attention to drills, knowing their drills, and knowing they need to be prepared for the real thing. But you don't need to scare them to within an inch of their lives like this, I don't think. Yaffe, Steph, I want your opinion on this, and Rick's got something to say out of Coco, and the text line is filling up as well. Yes, but the reason why I agree with you is I feel like the last thing you want to do is create unnecessary chaos at a school in today's world. And you know, and they did have that. There was a mass evacuation because that's what they're trained to do, and the real thing is run out of the school. Yeah, it creates unnecessary confusion and chaos for the school, for the teachers, and for the parents. It's called panic. Yeah, it's the last thing you want to do in a school nowadays. I agree with that. Steph, how do you see it? I don't know. I mean, I do agree. Like, yeah, that does cause chaos and all, but they need to be scared. They need to be scared straight. You don't think they're just scared anyway by what's in the news that they understand has happened in other schools and close, relatively speaking, down in Parkland where 17 were slaughtered? Last February, don't you think that they're they're already scared? Do they have to be terrified to listen to a drill and embrace what they're taught to do? Really? Yeah. Boy, I don't know about that. And I think you may have an ally from Rick, though, Steph. Let's bring him in from Coco. You're kind of into the scared straight thing, right? Morning, bud. Yes, thank you. With our apathy today and everybody tied and living in their cell phone and living in the moment and a volunteer military, most of our kids don't have a clue what the real terrors are that are out there. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, and I remember the missiles of October, and we did our duck and cover drills, and we put our Seago and Metrical in water, and we had all that good stuff, but the threat was real. How do you make the threat real to an apathetic public that doesn't it's not going to happen here. It's I don't know. Pulse, Night, Pulse Nightclub, Parkland. I mean, I can go on across the country here. I, I think everybody is on edge every day, and I think there's a measure of fear we all carry with us. Don't you think that that, that would be true with the students? I would have to believe it is. No, I, I, I don't think so. I don't see it that way. I, I, I believe there's an, a tremendous amount of apathy and people get their sensitivities up in a bunch All right. about anything and everything these days. And there needs to be some realism in what's going on in our world. Well, there sure was yesterday, Rick. On the text line, Yaffe, what are the folks saying to us? Lots of different texts, bud. And some of them disagree with you, but most seem to agree. One person says they are creating a boy who cried wolf scenario. Drill should be conducted calmly and methodically to reinforce knowledge. 
I would agree with that one. Another person says, how do you expect kids to pay attention while being in a state of panic? This should should be muscle memory. You do the drills as over and over and over until it's automatic. You don't put them in panic to begin with. Said one parent quoted in the Orlando Sentinel, getting a random midday text from my son that says, I love you, there's a shooter on campus, is not the way I want to be notified about a drill. <sighs> Said another, nothing is more terrifying than get a text from your daughter who was hiding in her classroom, having a complete anxiety attack because they are under a code red with an active shooter on campus. I understand, said another parent, practicing safety, but this was completely the wrong way to go about it, completely unacceptable. I beg you, Seminole County, rethink this and change that policy. Yeah, we have a texter who says uh, they're a parent of a high schooler in Lake County, so it didn't happen there, but it says, I am livid that this school and county authorized this. Rest assured, they would know exactly how I'd feel about it if it happened there. No question about it. Great debate, gang. Thank you. Important story. We'll follow and see what Seminole County does in reaction to the Fuhrer, which um, I felt compelled to contribute to here this morning over what happened yesterday. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a brisk Friday at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. I'm Melissa Fox. Our top story this morning active shooter drill causes chaos at a local high school. We'll have details on that coming up in one minute. More of the moving final salutes to President Bush 41. And it's Pearl Harbor 2018, 77 years after the attack. You will hear President FDR ask for a declaration of war in this half hour of Good Morning Orlando. 704 on News Radio 93.1. A Seminole County school is pleased with their recent active shooter drill. Some parents, however, are not. The drill was held yesterday morning at Lake Brantley High School in Altamont Springs. However, none of the students involved were told it was a drill. Some parents reported getting texts from their children who were panicked. An hour later, the school announced on Facebook that it was just a drill. But angry parents complained about the lack of notification. A school official told the Orlando Sentinel they wanted to make sure the drill was as realistic as possible. News brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Well, I gave my take on that, and we had some great input from the best audience in talk radio in our last half hour. Florida U.S. Senator Bill Nelson, as he's preparing to leave office, is reminding his Senate colleagues that the Everglades are part of an indispensable system of protection against the worst hurricanes and other named storms. Not only are beaches and the preservation of them one of those defenses, but so is the Florida Everglades. Beaches, wetlands, coral reefs, mangroves all protect us against storm damage. He called on his colleagues to continue the efforts to fund Everglades restoration. The public can now look at what's described as a critical need for the Space Coast's future. FDOT yesterday held a public meeting in Titusville to show its design for a new NASA causeway. The current causeway is almost 65 years old, and it is in danger of becoming unsafe in as little as three years. FDOT estimates that repairing the current bridge will cost much more than building a new one. 
A video from a recent traffic stop in Seminole County shows just how unpredictable a job as the state trooper has. I'll tell you, the FHP troopers pulled over a driver on State Road 417. During the stop, a lemur jumped out of the truck's trailer. Uh, a lemur? A lemur. Okay. And then hopped around as the uh, troopers tried to get it back <laughs> and secure it. About 15 minutes passed. One trooper finally used grapes he had in his cruiser to attract the lemur and then grab it before, before it could wander out into the road. Boy, you show up for your shift in law enforcement, you never know what's coming next. <laughs> a Virginia teacher is out of a job for an alleged discrimination it's against a transgendered student. The school board decided to fire a West Point High School French teacher after he refused to use male pronouns as administrators had ordered. Pete Vlaming defended himself yesterday in front of the court, uh, school board. I'm being asked to adopt a new ideology on who we are as humans. The student took classes with the teacher last year before a gender transition. A large number of people came out to support the teacher at that meeting. WFLA News Time 707. Read about the, oh, actually see the pictures and everything from Bush 41. We've got all that on our website at yeah. WFLAOrlando.com. Yep. Second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And yeah, people, our listeners just joining us here on a Friday morning. You have posted on the website the entire Texas funeral yesterday am i correct That's right. all right where do we find that again yeah go to wflaorlando.com and click on the good morning orlando tab it's all right there for you very good good deal yaffe our executive producer steph's taking your phone calls we have more of the final tributes yesterday to president george herbert walker bush and of course he was a war hero he enlisted on his 18th birthday shortly after the pearl harbor attack 77 years ago today and flew bombing missions in the Pacific. More than 50 of them were shot down, nearly died, and was rescued by a U.S. submarine. Thought it was going to be the Japanese and that his life would be over and how history would be different in that regard. History was changed on this day 77 years ago, and you will hear the entire congressional speech by then-President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the day of infamy speech, but normally you only hear a line or two playing the whole thing. It's about four minutes long uh, in tribute to all of those who fought and died in World War II to save the world from the scourge of Imperial Japan and Nazi Germany. And um, we'll get to that. But we're also going to um, take you back to the church where the um, Bushes have worshipped for so many years in uh, Houston, Texas yesterday for the moving funeral service there and a couple of very special tributes. So that is coming right up. And Good Morning Orlando rolls on from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. All of this right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you, and that is coming your way here in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. Merry Christmas. We're so glad you're with us here on the Friday edition of Good Morning Orlando. Um, a short form of the um, James Baker eulogy for Bush 41, his longtime friend and his Secretary of State when he was president. Uh, we played a longer version at 6. We'll play it again if you can join us at 8. Um, it was really terrific, and here are just a few excerpts. The world became a better place because George Bush occupied the White House. He had a very effective way of letting me know when the discussion was over. 
He would look at me and he'd say, Baker, if you're so smart, why am I president and you're not? We rejoice, Mr. President, that you are safely tucked in now and through the ages with God's loving arms around you. Because our glory, George, was to have had you as our president and as such a friend. James Baker got emotional at the end of his eulogy, just as Bush 43 did when he eulogized his dad at the National Cathedral in Washington. It was so impressive to see so many of the Bush grandchildren taking active parts in the various uh, funeral services. Um, and here is from the, uh, from the Texas funeral at the church where the Bush family has worshipped for so many years, um, a little montage of one of the grandkids, grandson George P. Bush. Undoubtedly, when the last words are written in, on him, they will certainly include this, that the fulfillment of a complete life cannot be achieved without service to others. George Herbert Walker Bush is the most gracious, most decent, most humble man that I will ever know. And it's the honor of a lifetime to share his name. God bless you, Gampy. Until we meet again. That's what all the grandkids called him, Gampy. Wow. And of course, yesterday, it wouldn't have been a funeral service for this um, Navy man and World War II hero, George H.W. Bush, without the Navy hymn, his favorite song of all. The congregation, the chorus, and the orchestra rose to sing a verse in his honor. Thousands of Americans were in peril on the sea in Pearl Harbor 77 years ago today when the Japanese attacked and launched us into World War II, which Bush became a part of, enlisting on his 18th birthday, becoming the youngest Navy pilot. Running combat missions in the Pacific, was shot down, came within an inch of losing his life, and has revered the military and his time in the Navy for all the remainder of his long life that ended last Friday at age 94. In a moment on this Pearl Harbor Day, you will hear in its entirety FDR's moving speech before Congress calling for a declaration of war, which was granted 77 years ago. It's Pearl Harbor Day. 77 years ago, the Japanese attacked our military installation in Hawaii at Pearl Harbor. All eight U.S. Navy battleships were damaged. Four were sunk. The Japanese sank or damaged three cruisers, three destroyers, an anti-aircraft training ship, and one mine layer. 188 U.S. aircraft were destroyed in the attack. 2,403 Americans were killed. 1,178 others were wounded. We immediately responded 
by declaring war on Japan. And that speech and the call for the declaration of war was made before a joint session of Congress 77 years ago by then-President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense, but always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I believe that I interpret the will of the Congress and of the people when I assert that we will not only defend ourselves to the uttermost, but will make it very certain that this form of treachery shall never again endanger us. Hostilities exist. There is no blinking at the fact that our people, our territory, and our interests are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph so help us God. I ask that the Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7th, 1941, 
a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire. FDR calling for a declaration of war, which he immediately got from the Congress, and we were engaged with Imperial Japan and Nazi Germany and fascist Italy and ultimately wound up saving the world for freedom and democracy. Pearl Harbor Day, 77 years ago. Melissa joins us with our news update right now on a man robbed by men who were posing as deputies. And Antenna TV, you should know, is changing again. Good morning, Orlando, at 7.30. Good morning, Orlando. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch on a beautiful, brisk Friday morning. And if you're just joining us, we're going to get you up to date on the news. Melissa Fox will handle that and a pretty disturbing story out of Central Florida this morning, right? Yes, three men are wanted. It was supposed to be a date. It turned into a robbery in Osceola County. Deputies say a man went to the Seville Plaza on Highway 192 in Kissimmee. He was there to meet a woman he met online, but when he got there, he was confronted by three armed men who were posing as deputies. The suspects claimed the man was in trouble for his online activity, and they ordered him to take them to his hotel room. Once there, the deputies say they robbed the man and ran off. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In the coming months, Florida markets are moving the frequencies for some broadcast TV stations. Not the channel you see, just the frequency that gets used for the broadcast. It's meant to make room for the rollout of the new 5G system. Now, the change will only affect people who still use rooftop antennas or rabbit ears to get their TV signals. It means they'll have to rescan their TVs to lock in the new frequencies for their favorite channels. Now, if you don't know when this is happening where you live, the FCC has you covered. You can put uh, your local street address in, and it'll tell you all the TV channels that are available uh, for reception in your local area, which ones of those will be moving, and the window of time during which you should be watching for notifications. That's Jean Cadeau. She's the chair of the FCC Incentive Task Force. She says people will be getting plenty of lead time, and some Florida markets have already made the change. Kevin Hart is stepping down as the host of next year's Oscars in the midst of previous remarks that he made about gay people that have resurfaced. The comedian announced his decision on Twitter Thursday night, writing, I do not want to be a distraction on a night that should be celebrated by so many amazing artists. He apologized to the LGBTQ community and says he's evolving and wants to continue to do so. What I'm hearing is I'm having a hard time getting anybody to host the Oscars. You know, so you got to pass this political correct test and whatever else it happens to be. Yeah. You got to be on the right side of me too. You got to be on the right side of uh, uh of um, you know, <laughs> of everything. Good luck. Yeah. The Oscars are supposed to take place on February 24th at this time. The Academy has not announced a replacement host. And Bob Hope is no longer available. But Bud is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, we're not doing that. Let's look to the big screen. This release is about a woman trying to help her drug-addicted son after he returns home for Christmas. The movie is called Ben is Back. The things that I've done to myself and others. We can't save them, but you'll hate yourself if you don't try. Just tell me, son, where you want me to bury you. I'm not going to die. 
Did you recognize that female's voice? No, help me out. Julia Roberts. Ah, yes. pretty woman. Yes, and Lucas Hedges, Courtney B. Vance, Catherine Newton, and Alexandra Park are all in them. It's about Holly wanting to get her son Ben checked into a sober living home as soon as Christmas is over. Over the course of 24 hours, she fights to keep him safe as it is revealed just how bad things are in his life. So it's actually a Christmas movie. Yes, it is based around Christmas, and okay. it also encompasses the uh, the drug problems that we're having in America mm-hmm. right now. In sports, the Titans barreled through the Jaguars last night, 30-9 to on Thursday Night Football in Nashville. The Jags managed to uh, get a safety in the first quarter and a touchdown in the third. I don't uh, understand the <laughs> NFL. The Jags shut out Andrew Luck in Indianapolis and then get blown out by the Titans? Yes. Gee whiz. <laughs> Tennessee's now 7-6. and six. The Jags fell to 4-9. and nine. The Dolphins hope to play the spoiler this weekend when they host New England. Yeah, well, that ain't happening. No, it's not. <laughs> Yaffe, is that going to happen? No. Oh, okay. Yaffe's just going to say it to tweak me. I know. Yeah, pretty much. No, Stop that. <laughs> the Pats have a chance to clinch the AFC East with yeah. a win. The Finns will enter Sunday's contest three games back of New England at 6-6. Six and six. They need a win just to keep a slim chance of winning the AFC East alive. In other news, Kenny Stills was named the Dolphins' Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Oh, there you go. WFLA News Time 738. I am Melissa Fox, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. You can get these stories and a lot more on our website at WFLAOrlando.com. So yesterday I'm watching the stock prices plummet like 800 points after they'd gone down, I don't know, six or 800 two days ago before they took a break for the National Day of Mourning for Bush 41. And then all of a sudden they went back up almost 800. And I said, I got to get somebody on here who can sort this out. And for me and everyone who listens to Good Morning Orlando, and I've got him. He's our man, Joel Garris, CEO of Nelson Financial Planning, one of our wonderful sponsors on the program, been with me longer than anybody else here at WFLA. And he's going to try to make sense of what's going on in the financial world here today and give you some thoughts on what it is perhaps you might want to do or not do Uh, in response to this insanity in the financial world. We'll get to it right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. Well, yeah, that's true. Except in the financial world, it's the scariest time of the year and maybe the scariest time I've seen in many years. I can't imagine, I, I can't remember when we saw stock prices go up and down as much and as frequently as they have in recent weeks. And this week, it has been even more pronounced. And listen, I'm not an expert on this sort of thing. That's why I turned to somebody who is, and he's on the 50,000-watt front porch right now, a familiar presence on WFLA. Um, He's my original sponsor here. Joel Garris is the CEO of Nelson Financial Planning, and he hosts the longest-running radio program in all of Central Florida right here on WFLA, and we proudly carry it every Sunday morning at 9. You'll want to be here for dollars and cents. But, Joel, as busy as you are, I want to thank you on behalf of our listeners for being here for us live this morning. Good morning to you, my friend. Well, good morning to you as well, bud. Happy to be here as always. What's going on out there? Well, it's really the market's trying to digest a couple of major headlines out there, and and it really circles around this trade conversation with China, and then of course the Federal Reserve and the pace of of interest rates. And um, we've seen these stories play out, particularly over the course of the past couple of weeks, where last week uh, on just a simple 
change of wording by the Federal Reserve chairman in a presentation and a and a dinner meeting between China and the U.S. The markets markets went up 1,250 points last week, and then and then this week when kind of the reality settles in of well it was just a dinner and it was just some comments, uh, the the markets sort of reacting the other way. So there's those are two major economic storylines that uh, the markets are trying to digest, and it's really unclear as to as to how they will play out. And let me ask you, does it does it seem to you that the stock market is reacting to some ominous signs that are reported out there that we might possibly be on the threshold of a recession? Is that a factor here? And do you believe that to be true or not? Well, that, I think that's certainly a factor among individual and, and investors. When you look at the economic data right now, it's it's hard to see a lot of signs of weakness. Everything looks pretty strong. I mean, unemployment is is quite low. There's there's good corporate profitability out there. So so you don't necessarily see the signs, but as as is always the case, you know, recessions are part of a part of the normal economic cycle in this in this country. And uh, so this expansion has been going on for quite some time. It's been relatively slow, which is why I think it's been going on as long as it as it has been. But eventually, you always kind of run into those periods of time where economic activity takes a pause, and uh, certainly, certainly, we know that's around, uh, We know that's going to happen. We just don't know. We just don't know when. Um, so I think there's some strategies that uh, that all investors should should consider. When well, we're a little tight on that. time, but if you would, in a general sense, because everyone's circumstance is different, you know. Give folks some advice out there, maybe what you generally give to your clients as to what you ought to do in an environment like this. Sure. I think specifically right now what's been driving the market a lot of late is is large growth companies like the Netflix, the Amazons, and the Googles of the world. So investors really want to check their portfolio and make sure that that asset category has not gotten to be a significant overall portion of their portfolio and really look at trying to rebalance back to some of those more classic dividend-paying companies. I think that's probably one of the best strategies you can have if, if, in fact, there is some period of economic weakness in front of us. Any closing words here, Joel? I, I encourage all investors to certainly review the allocation on their accounts. And uh, at the end of the day, it's always so important to remain consistent on your investing approach. Remember, When you're investing your money, it is for the rest of your life. It's not for today. It's not all for tomorrow. It's got to last you for the rest of your life. So make sure you maintain that perspective. I think that's great. You're always a voice of calm when everyone else around you seems to be in panic mode. And uh, and I know you got that from your late father-in-law, Jack Nelson, who always took the long view. And um, and, and I think that, that that's one of the wonderful uh, qualities of you, and it transmits to your wonderful firm. And if folks want the very best in financial advice, and hey, you didn't come on here conditional on me giving you a plug, but I'm going to do that because I want to send people somewhere where they can get some great advice and, of course, the free consultation is always available to you here. Um, no obligation at all uh, through Joel Garris at Nelson Financial Planning. The number is 407-629-6477, 407-629-6477. And the website to learn more about this great firm I'm so proud to represent and this great guy who's our guest this morning, the top man, the CEO, Joel Garris. Go to nelsonfinancialplanning.com. Thank you, Joel, and Merry Christmas to you, your staff, and family. Thanks for coming on. Merry Christmas to you as well, bud, and all your listeners. Have a great New Year. 
Appreciate that. And in a moment, the Rush Morning Update. After we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, stay tuned for that in two minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you. Delighted to have you with us on a Friday morning here at 8 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. I'm Melissa Fox. The top story we're following this morning surprise, code red drill causes panic for students and their parents. We'll have details coming up in one minute. And a final farewell to Bush 41, next on Good Morning Orlando. 803 on News Radio 93.1. A voice announcing a code red over loudspeakers at Lake Brantley High School sent some students and teachers into a panic yesterday morning. They were frightened that an active shooter was targeting people on campus. The alert was part of an unannounced drill, which infuriated some parents who were worried their children were traumatized by the experience. Michael Lawrence, a spokesman for the school district, said the panic was not primarily caused by the drill, but by a student who later shared a screenshot of an alert that some teachers had received during the Code Red. News is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. President Trump is taking aim at Robert Mueller and James Comey in a tweet this morning. He tweeted, Robert Mueller and Leakin Lion James Comey are best friends, just one of Mueller's conflicts of interest. The tweet comes as special counsel Mueller is set to review new details in court today in his investigation of Russian meddling in the 2016 election. Meanwhile, Comey, the former FBI director Trump fired last year, will testify before a House Republican panel later today. Florida's next governor is reaching across the aisle and all the way to Broward County to find the new head of what he calls a vital agency. Governor-elect Ron DeSantis yesterday named Coral Springs' Jared Moskowitz as the director of the Division of Emergency Management. Moskowitz is a general counsel for disaster management. The company's called Ashbrit Environmental. DeSantis says he's confident that Moskowitz will continue Florida's legacy of being a model around the county for emergency preparedness and response. U.S. Senator Bill Nelson wrapping up his tenure in office. Yesterday, he took to the floor of the Senate, calling on his colleagues to keep doing the work of funding the Everglades restoration. Since I've been privileged to be a member of the Senate, the federal government on that Everglades restoration plan has spent almost $5 billion on Everglades restoration. And we've got some great things to show for it. But we got a long way to go. The restoration project, he said, was first envisioned as a 30-year plan. He's noted we're into the 18th year, meaning there's 12 more years to go. Uterine cancer is on the rise in the United States. A new report from the CDC says while other cancer diagnoses have uh, gone up, rather gone down, cases of uterine cancer has increased. The CDC says over 53,000 new cases were diagnosed in 2015, with the most common type diagnosed being endometrial cancer, which begins in the lining of the uterus. Federal researchers say a contributing factor could be excess body weight. An earlier study found that women who are overweight were twice as likely to develop endometrial cancer than women of healthy weight. Uterine cancer is now the fourth most common cancer diagnosed in U.S. women, and studies find that that cancer is twice as high among African-American women as then among Caucasian women. 
Well done, Dr. Fox. Thank you. Important information. WFLA News Time 806. Watch the terrifying video of an American couple being chased by machete-wielding men. That's on our website at WFLAOrlando.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. Use your smart speaker. Tell Google Home to play News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa Fox bringing us the news, and I have some fresh Trump tweets, which we will be sharing here in a moment, going after Mueller, going after Comey. But we do want to put the spotlight, of course, particularly for those of you just joining us on the 50,000-watt front porch in the 8 o'clock hour, on the final farewell, Texas-style, to President George Herbert Walker Bush yesterday. You'll hear some of the more moving moments and... um, I have some things to say, and then I'll tell you what, we're just going to sit back and listen to the singing of Amazing Grace in the Texas church where the Bushes worshipped for so many years by the iconic Oak Ridge Boys in this half hour. And in the final half hour, a chance to win Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas concert tickets here in Orlando playing our sound judgment game. So much to come I think we need to get to it. What do you say? Let's do it now. An update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Two minutes ahead here on Good Morning Orlando. And I think that the um, the headline I just shared with you about what's to come in the Mueller probe today has gotten the president activated on his Twitter account. Excerpts from multiple tweets here. Robert Mueller and Leakin Lion James Comey are best friends. Just one of many Mueller conflicts of interest. Will Robert Mueller's big-time conflicts of interest be listed at the top of his Republicans-only report? Will, um, let's see, oh, will all the substantial and many contributions made by the 17 angry Democrats working for Mueller um, to the campaign of Crooked Hillary be listed in the top of the report? Will the people that worked for the Clinton Foundation be listed at the top of the report? Will the scathing document the president tweets written about Lion James Comey by the man in charge of the case, Rod Rosenstein, be a big part of the report. The president, in a Twitter storm this morning, updates at least every 10 minutes in the top stories for you. Our promise all morning here on Good Morning Orlando. Did I already do that? Are we done? You're right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yaffe, I almost got... You know what I'm doing? I'm looking ahead to what we're doing right now from the Bush funeral in in Houston, Texas yesterday, and I kind of went on mental autopilot. Forgive me there. Um, Let me focus on the um, stirring eulogy in the the church in Houston, Texas yesterday where the Bush family has worshipped for years um, by his longtime best friend and Secretary of State when he was president, James Baker. Here were his opening remarks. My friends, we're here today in the house of the Lord to say goodbye to a man of great faith and great integrity, a truly beautiful human being, and to honor his noble character, his life of service, and the sweet memories he leaves for his friends, his family, and for our grateful nation. For more than 60 years, George Herbert Walker Bush has been my friend, and he's been my role model. And this from James Baker, more on his admiration for George Herbert Walker Bush, his longtime best friend, and some humor interjected as he describes how disagreements were resolved in the White House when Bush was the president and Baker was Secretary of State. 
I've always been proud that George Bush used to describe our relationship as one of big brother and little brother. He used to say that one of the things he liked best about me was that I would always tell him what I thought, even when I knew he didn't want to hear it. Then we would have a spirited discussion about that issue. But he had a very effective way of letting me know when the discussion was over. <laughs> he would look at me and he'd say, Baker, if you're so smart, why am I present and you're not? <laughs> he, would, he was a leader and he knew it. My hope is that in remembering the life of George Herbert Walker Bush and in honoring his accomplishments, we will see that we are really praising what is best about our nation, the nation he dearly loved and whose values he embodied. And finally, from James Baker, his emotional closing remarks during the eulogy that began with him recalling a letter that he got from Bush 41 some years ago. We have known each other a long time, he wrote to me. We have shared joy and sadness, and time has indeed gone swiftly by. Now it races on even faster, and that makes me treasure even more this line of William Butler Yeats about where man's glory begins and ends, namely with friends. My glory is I have you as such a friend. To which I reply, on behalf of his friends here today, across America and throughout the world, we rejoice, Mr. President, that you are safely tucked in now and through the ages with God's loving arms around you. Because our glory, George, was to have had you as our president and as such a friend. Boy, I'm going to tell you, that really does tuck tug at your heartstrings, does it not? Um, there was just great music yesterday, and one of the highlights for this old Southern Gospels quartet singer was the Oak Ridge Boys singing Amazing Grace. Let me share that with you here in a moment. And some other thoughts from the Texas farewell for George Herbert Walker Bush. The train ride, the largest, the largest military flyover ever. All ahead here, and your comments welcome on the passing and the um, the honors for our forty first president George Herbert Walker Bush four zero seven nine one six fifty four hundred. I can make time for you. Our text line two three six eight zero. Our standard message and data rate supply. At the church in Houston, where the Bushes worshipped for so many years, great eulogies yesterday. James Baker and others. Scripture passages read by those classy Bush 41 grandchildren and absolutely great music. Bush 41 loved the Oak Ridge Boys, so do I, as an old Southern Gospel Quartet singer. And when I listened to him yesterday, I said, you know what? A lot of folks will not have heard this because it occurred during the workday. So let's bring the Oak Ridge Boys with amazing grace to the 50,000-watt front porch. And here they are. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I'll tell you what a moment that was. And they, and they joked that Bush 41 always loved to have him sing, you know, and they, they'd have him over to the house and whatever else because he fancied himself as a great bass singer. <laughs> and then Bush had, 41, yeah, a bass and, singer? Yeah, wow. and then, then the, the, the lead on the, um, <laughs> on the Oak Ridge Boys paused and cracked everybody up, including W and Jeb and everybody else, and said, he was not. <laughs> Good stuff. What are your takeaways from this week of tributes to our fallen 41st president, Yaffe? You know, I was just thinking about what an emotional roller coaster the Bush family must be going through this week because. As well prepared, of course, as they were. Yeah, but I mean, because your dad was president of the United States or your family member was president of the United States, you have multiple funerals. It's on the media constantly. They did interviews right after the death. I mean, just imagine what that does to you emotionally. Yeah. And it's it's something. Um, but they did say that the Trump family has been extremely nice to them. Yeah, this very whole much week. so. Yes. So, and there's been some bad blood between them in the past. So. I think that was put aside with a yeah. meeting at the Blair House in Washington. Exactly. It seems to have been. We hope and pray that that, that continues um, unforgettable week. And yesterday on the Texas uh, final farewell, and, and the president put this together. It's the first time since Eisenhower we've had a funeral train, and the casket was taken um, with crowds alongside the rails and on the bridges all the way from Houston out to the, uh, the Bush uh, Presidential Library, where he will be buried alongside Barbara and their daughter Robin, lost to leukemia when she was three so many years ago. And uh, to the burial site there, and they had plexiglass panels on both sides, as Melissa told us yesterday, and everybody could see the casket as it went by, and the train would slow down, and it was amazing. And then the 21-plane salute, the largest flyover ever, and the missing man formation, and the plane that zoomed toward the heavens disappeared through the clouds. And I'll tell you, that was really something to see. God rest his soul. You can debate whether he's a great president. There is no debate. He was a good and great man. News at the bottom of the hour. We'll turn it over to Melissa here in just a moment. In the next half hour, we're going to make some folks happy here by giving away 
Free tickets to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas concert in downtown Orlando. Sound judgment coming right up. You're eligible by company rules if you've not won in 30 days. If you've won more recently than that, honor system, please let others have a chance. It'll be a Christmas music edition of Sound Judgment right after the news. Stay tuned on that. And Melissa is next. Good morning from us all. Melissa Fox joining us now from the newsroom. Very concerning story that you bring us at this hour. Yes, reports are at least 10 manatees have been discovered dead, the result of red tide. Kelly Richmond of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission says manatees seem to be vulnerable to the algae bloom. We have documented uh, a number of manatees that have been either confirmed from um, red tide uh, mortality events or um, are suspect, which means we're just still waiting on the toxin analysis to come back on those animals. Richmond says the latest water samples indicate there are moderate concentrations of red tide along Gulf Coast counties, though the bloom has subsided considerably in Pinellas County. News brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Today, Americans across the country will honor and remember the 2,403 service members and civilians killed in the Japanese surprise attack on Pearl Harbor 77 years ago. President Bill Clinton declared December 7, 1994, the first National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. It is not a federal holiday, but the flag is still flown at half-staff until the sun sets in honor of those who died as a result of the surprise attack. A bill is on the president's desk that will keep the government running for two more weeks. A two-week government funding extension was passed by the Senate and House yesterday, averting a possible government shutdown. The federal government is set to run out of money at midnight Friday. That's today. <laughs> you know, that can must have a lot of dents in it. We keep on kicking it down the road, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> and we did it again. The FCC is advising us residents of Florida that you'll want to be rescanning the channels on your TVs in the coming months. That's if you use a rabbit ears or rooftop antennas. That's because there's some shuffling coming up of TV frequencies with the rollout of the new 5G system. Jean Kiddo is chairman of the FCC Incentive Task Force. She says if your rabbit ears have stopped picking up your favorite broadcast channel, you might want to launch that re-market already. That's what's going on. Here it is. If a viewer missed the notices and is finding in Florida that, um, that they're not finding a station that they thought they previously had on their over-the-air TV, I would urge them to rescan because it may be that that TV station has already moved and uh, they need to just find it again on their TV. She said some markets in Florida have already made the changes they needed to make. And while you should have plenty of advanced information, it is easy to lose in the shuffle of day-to-day life. So if you get your TV from cable, satellite, or Internet services, this isn't going to affect you. An 85-year-old man is recovering after being attacked by an alligator in a pond behind his home in Lakeland. George Eel's frantic wife called 911. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. The alligator attacked my husband. He's laying, he's laying in the, behind a bush bleeding. Wide-eyed neighbors saw what was happening, and they, too, called 911. There's a gator eating a man. They, they pulled, the gator pulled him, I guess... Miraculously, Mr. Eel was able to get away. Trappers caught the gator, 
Mr. Eel's shoe was still in its mouth. Yeah, it happened a couple of days ago. We had not heard the audio until yes. now. That is absolutely frightening. Mm-hmm. A woman has been scorned by her neighbors in a high-rise Florida condo because of a holiday message she spelled out in lights across her balcony. Kathy Hill says the Ebenezer Scrooge phrase, bah humbug, is one of her favorites at Christmas. But other residents at the Twin Towers of Marina Grande in Holly Hill were not so amused. The owner of the unit Hill is renting told her to take down the display because other residents were coming unglued. She says balcony lights are against the rules, let alone by humbug. She warned Miss Hill, that it, uh, who's a California transplant to Florida, to prepare for major massive retaliation. Hill said, I'm going to turn off the lights. I didn't mean to offend anyone. Gee whiz. Can we come up with something better than bah humbug? But I guess she has the right to put it up there. Well, sure. Kind of a First Amendment thing as much as it kind of turns me off. <laughs> It is fun, though, and it does have to do with Christmas and yeah. Scrooge. Scrooge and all, I guess. WFLA Newstime, 838. I'm Melissa Fox on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. These stories and more you can find on our website, WFLAOrlando.com. Go Patriots! Third hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. Well, thank you very much. We're both <laughs> New England Patriots fans, <laughs> Melissa Fox and the Budman here, and they're playing the Dolphins this weekend, which makes me nervous when they play them down in Miami. They tend to lose. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope not. Anyway, no. we'll see, but thanks for that. You got it. Um, coming up here, we have the Sound Judgment Game for Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas Concert Tickets. You're going on us to the Amway Center. Concert's coming up on the 15th. We're playing the game right now. Company says you're eligible to win sound judgment if you haven't won in 30 days. So give me a call, 407-916-5400. Get on the toll-free at 866-916-5400. All you have to do is be able to sing five words to a Christmas song you know, and you can win those tickets. We'll have that, and we'll update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes. Stick around if you can. We're with you until 9 right here on Good Morning Orlando. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Why? Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, yeah, he's rolling that Christmas music for us throughout all of our shows in the, in the run-up to Christmas here on Good Morning Orlando, and we have another Christmas music edition of the Sound Judgment Game to play in just a moment. All you got to do is be able to sing five words, and you can win this, Steph. That's right. We have a great pair of tickets to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra Winter Tour playing on December 15th at the Amway Center. And you will love it, and what a venue it is for it. It's a great Christmas tradition when the Trans-Siberian Orchestra comes to town. Two free tickets for you, and um, if you're trying to get in and the lines are busy... All you do is, I always tell you, wait for a wrong answer and quick like grab what becomes an open line at 407-916-5400. So for today's Sound Judgment Game, we feature a beloved Christmas song we hear every year, I'll Be Home for Christmas, one of my favorites. This became a huge hit when it first came out during World War II because it touched the hearts of millions of American families then and their servicemen overseas. Like a young George H.W. Bush who could only dream of being home for Christmas. Listen to some sound from the Bing Crosby recording, the original. And then when Yaffe stops the music, you sing the rest of the line. You don't have to sound like Bing. There's only five words. And if you get them all right, you're our winner. I'll be home for Christmas. Finish it, line one. 
You can plan on me. Oh, that's a different part of the song. I hope I haven't confused you here. It's the second verse. I'll give you another shot at it. No? Um, no, I'm not sure. I just knew the I'd be home for Christmas, then you can plan on me. And then the other one is I know it's I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. But You know what? That that's part? it. I'm sorry. I misled you, but you're absolutely right. I forgot that comes up several times in the song. You are our winner, I believe, but let's verify it. Bing, what about it? If only in my oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to everybody else as well. I hadn't thought about the fact that the line, I'll be home for Christmas, is followed by a couple of things at various points in the song. But you knew them all, so congratulations. You're going to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas concert, and I hope you're going to enjoy that. Oh, but it's going to be fantastic. I've seen them a few years ago, and it was a phenomenal show. It's probably the best thing you guys give out all year, so this is fantastic. Merry Christmas, definitely. All right, now, just, just to make it official, because I always say, no, 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 you have to sing it, okay? Because I'm going to get emails on this if I don't make you sing it. How would you think, I'll be home for Christmas? Take it. If only in my dreams. That's good enough. You're our official <laughs> winner. <laughs> What's your name? My name is Bob from Orlando. Okay, Bob. Merry Christmas to you, buddy. You're a good sport, and congratulations to you for winning our game. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Don't go away. You and Steph will work things out, and you're going to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Well, bud, you're you're actually nice to him, but I will say this. The tune sounds a little bit different on that last time than it does earlier. It's the same words, but he kind of extends it a little bit. You see, I got myself in trouble because I said, what song am I going to do? And I said, oh. The great song written in World War II that touched so many hearts, and Bush, yeah. of course, went over there overseas and almost was killed and shot down and all of this, well, and he, he wasn't sh- home. He and- should have known it was the ending with the way he sings it there, know, and he extends the Christmas. But we're, we're nice. We'll give him the gift. Absolutely. It's the spirit of the <laughs> Christmas season, the spirit of giving, Yaffe, right? Yes. We can't play Scrooge with our contestants here. No. But I probably have several other people pretty mad at me right now. <laughs> but stand in line and take a number. I'm, I'm used to people being mad at me in this line of work, but not normally when we're playing the sound judgment game. Anyway, congratulations to you, Bob. We're going to wrap things up here in, in just a moment and going back to the Texas farewell for President George H. Uh, Walker, Judge George H.W. Bush yesterday, Bush 41. Oh, this is interesting. We begin our program proudly with the playing of the National Anthem every day by the Orlando Philharmonic Orchestra at 6 o'clock. And um, we're going to close with the National Anthem that was actually part of the funeral service at the church in Houston where the Bushes had worshipped. And, of course, Bush 41 planned the entire funeral. Every detail of it, we are told. And it was wonderful that he wanted the star-spangled banner played. He's a great patriot. I know you're a great patriot, or you would not be listening to our show. So we'll have that special moment to close things out here. Right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. You know, Yaffe, I think when you look back at it now and you see what reportedly it has come to with Kelly and Trump, you had a four-star Marine Corps general in John Kelly. This man by definition, is used to giving orders and having them followed without debate. He is not used to taking orders, which as chief of staff, 
is part of the job. You take the orders from the president and you execute those orders. I mean, I, I think maybe that this was, you know, fraught with peril from the beginning for the reason I cited. Yeah, although the reason they brought him in was because he was kind of that guy and he could kind of add some stability and strength well, to the office. Well, I think but... Trump saw him as somebody who would crack the whip with everybody yeah. else and bring it all together organizationally, which he was very famous for doing in the military. Yeah, he kind of has done that, but you're right. He's probably not used to taking the orders And I think from it's Trump. why, you know, the, the anti-Trump media makes all of this about the um, the, the turnover in, in, in the White House, you know, and people who are leaving, et cetera. But because Trump's a businessman by background, he brought a lot of people in with that kind of background, CEO types, you know. Mm -hmm. They're all used to giving orders, not being on the receiving end and taking orders from the head of the executive branch, by virtue of the Constitution, the president of the United States. And I think that's one reason why they can't take orders from anybody. You know, that's a really good point, because you're right. At the beginning of his presidency, it was more of the CEO types. But now it's been more of the established, um, you know, Washington types. Yeah. Secretary Pompeo was director of the CIA. Um, there, were other, there were other offices out there kind of different from that. You're right. Yeah, and, and Pompeo and some of the others seem to do very well with the president. But I think you had some people there who hadn't taken orders in more years than they can count, and they couldn't take it. They didn't like it. You yeah, know? I yeah th- exactly. I think, I think that was an issue. I think that was an issue. Before we go back to the final farewell in Texas for Bush 41 with the playing of the national anthem from the service, the funeral service yesterday in the church where they worshipped, a reminder that you can listen to us all kinds of ways here on WFLA. Of course, on the FM dial, 93.1 now on the AM dial, about everywhere you go in this part of the Florida Peninsula, AM 540. And uh, a lot of the new cars, and maybe yours would be uh, equipped this way, has an HD radio, high-definition radio, 107.7 HD3 is where you will find us. And, of course, on the amazing iHeartRadio app, which is absolutely free, you can download it right now. And among other things here, with the iHeartRadio app, if you miss any portion of our show on Good Morning Orlando... Uh, You can get the entire three hours, the podcast right there of everything that we do, and you can connect to it anytime, and you always get a crystal clear signal of everything we do on WFLA. Good morning, Orlando, Glenn Rush, everybody else. Yaffe when he's on in prime time as well through the iHeartRadio app. And um, there you go on that. You know, it has been really an emotional week. Yaffe and I were talking about we can only imagine what it has been like for the Bush family, even though they knew this day was coming um, when they would have to say goodbye to their patriarch and that the whole nation would be involved in saying goodbye to him as a former president. It has been a great, great week. I feel like I've gotten to know Bush 41 better and a greater appreciation for that extraordinary Bush family and um, uh, the tributes to him across party lines have just been absolutely heartwarming, truly. It's been a wonderful thing to say. It's been a great unifying period this week, I think. Partisan politics, for the most part, put aside. I have no illusions uh, that they won't come roaring back, and, uh, and, and that's the system, and it's a contentious time. But um, I watched almost all of the coverage because that's part of what I needed to do, but in this case was privileged to do, to put this program together. And it has been great to say goodbye to this Well, potentially not a great president, but certainly a good one, but undeniably a good and great man and a great patriot who loved this country 
And that is why, as we close and wish you a good weekend and say thank you, God bless you, and God bless America, that Bush 41 included in the funeral service in Texas a rousing rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner, the national anthem of the country he loved. And here it is. (laughs) 